And in three, two, one. Hello and welcome to another Investment Property Income Podcast. My name is Jeff Eady and joining me today uh, from the stand-up stage at Yuck Yucks, Mr. <laughs> one of Canada's top mortgage brokers, my good friend. And uh, well, he's certainly in a jolly old mood today. Mr. Jonathan Tilger. Jonathan, how are you today? Oh, I am awesome, Jeff. And I love how you, uh, you started this. <laughs> Right as we were both in the middle of laughing. That was perfect. <laughs> well, it kind of happens that way almost every time, which is fantastic. I do uh, I do love working with somebody that I just generally love. So that's that's a, a really great thing that I, I, I'm very grateful for that every day. You know what? When I get up, I'm like, hey, pretty much everybody that I work with, not, not part of it, everybody I work with is somebody that I've chosen to have in my life. And uh, I'm pretty darn grateful for you, sir. So. How you doing today? I'm awesome. I feel I feel the same about you too, Jeff. So just, uh, <laughs> it, it, it is mutual, my friend. Good. Well, that's that's nice to hear. Thanks, buddy. <sighs> okay, so today we get to talk about something that I have spent a lot of time learning about. So it'll be an interesting conversation. Um, you know one side, I know the other. We kind of meet somewhere in the middle. Mortgage investment corporations. Very woo. interesting topic. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> Give me another woo. Uh, <laughs> Can I get a woo? woo? <laughs> you know there is co- there is caffeine in green tea, right? <laughs> I haven't had green tea. That uh, oh, I, I I stopped drinking green tea in the morning. No caffeine. I told you. Oh, okay, okay. okay. You, you don't want to see me on caffeine in the morning. Fair. <laughs> so, Jonathan, from a borrower's standpoint, talk about mortgage investment corporations. Uh, well, mortgage investment, they sort of fall into, I'll call it the, the private lending type market. So once uh, there's are several situations where people would go to a, a MIC or mortgage investment corp or to a private lender and that deals with, it could be, it could be because of income reasons, meaning they started a business, they need to get some money. Uh, it could be that they're in uh, a distress situation meaning they've fallen behind on mortgage payments. It could be just they're looking to buy a property that's an investment that is maybe not of, uh, not of the grade that, that an A lender or B lender would look at, at this stage because it needs some work. So, so they're, and so they, that would be a short-term step to get them the property, get them the funds they need, they renovate it, then they flip it over on the A side afterwards. That was a really long answer. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> and the motorcycle going by in the background. So that was good. Um, so, so what you're saying is, um, all right, there's so much to break down in that. Let's talk about um, just straight up how they lend on property, because you said they're in the private space and the private spaces can be a little bit like the wild west. Are these guys, are these guys the wild west? Most of the mix, I would say, are not because most of them are pretty structured. They do have regulations they've got to follow, uh, saying that you often don't know the rate until you actually get. It's not. It's not like it's not like you walk into the bank. They've got the, the mortgage rate posted, saying, "Hey, here's what the rate is," and they can tell you exactly what the rate is if you're going to be getting a property because they're going to need to look at the property, look at the borrower, look at a whole range of situations, and then they they will do a risk assessment and price accordingly. Essentially, saying, "Well, the rates start at let's say seven percent." And then mm-hmm. they'll do the risk assessment, which uh, which could adjust the rates and fees and everything else from there. Mm-hmm. Um, what would standard rates be? I know it's going to depend, of course, 
but you and I both know there's some pretty, you know, ballpark numbers that you don't want them to be outrageous. Yeah. So it's good. It, the, the first thing is, is it a first mortgage or a second mortgage? Uh, if you're dealing with a first mortgage, you'll probably be dealing somewhere between six and 10%. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're dealing with a second mortgage, those are usually starting. If it's a low loan to value, maybe 10%, but reality, most of those are, are 12 to 14%. Now, and, and thirds are available. Yes. Depending on, on a whole bunch of factors. Um, <clears throat> now, let's talk about total cost of borrowing, though, because you and I both know we have talked to many people who are like, oh, I'm getting 6% on a private mortgage, which is true. But what's happening that that makes that not true is there are the fees because the lender is going to typically charge a fee. Uh, the broker, if I'm setting it up, I'm going to charge a fee because I like being paid for the work I do. I feel, <laughs> like, I, feel I do I do a good job and, and feel that I do deserve to make some money on this. I'm not going to gouge, but I feel like do need do deserve to make some money on on what I'm doing. I'm actually going to uh, I'm I'm going to back you up that you do not gouge because you recently did a private mortgage with a mortgage investment corporation that you and I work with very closely, and you charged I would say probably about half of what most brokers would charge for that. Yes, and it was a pretty sizable mortgage. Yeah. So, what is the kind of standard fee in the industry for a broker fee? Yeah. Again, that that the, the broker fees can range quite a bit. What should if, it be? I, I I like to say if the mortgage is over so say let's say two hundred and fifty thousand, it should be one percent. Really? Yeah. Wow. Wow. I was never taught that. Wow. That is way too fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I know I've seen I've seen what's out there. I've seen what other people charge. And I, I like to I like to keep my my what I charge fair because ultimately I'm looking and saying, yes, this, this is one transaction with this client, but ultimately I want to help this client long term. I want to help to get them into a better financial situation. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to do that by number one, charging an outrageous fee. Yep. Uh, and also the likelihood of them coming back to me again, if I charge an outrageous fee has just decreased significantly. Mm-hmm. So it's a long-term business strategy for you to charge half of what most people charge. Yes. <laughs> Cause I do remember us having that conversation. I'm like what? 1% industry standards too. You're like, I know, but I want them to come back in a year or two when we can refinance them with an A lender. Exactly the case. Exactly the case. Yeah. In that, in that one situation you're talking about, they'll most likely be a B lender a year from now. But that's a year from now you get paid again. Yes, exactly. Which, um, you know, I've dealt with some brokers in the past or, or agents in the past that would just keep renewing that private client with a different lender every time so they could just make a new broker fee. Yeah. So... Let, let, on, let's not talk about that <laughs> on the road. Well, I mean, Hey man, there's some dirty people out there. I mean, there's a million great mortgage brokers out there, but you got to be careful, especially when you get into the private space. Cause here's the thing. You don't typically as a broker, make a fee if they renew with the same company. That's right. exactly. Yeah. But if you're the broker and you take them to a different company, then you're going to make another fee. Yeah. And that, you know, unlike when you're dealing with this, unlike um, when you deal with a and B lenders, the borrower is directly paying for the fee instead of you know, paying the bank and the bank paying the fee. Yeah. 
so you know complete complete honesty here you know I, I see that look on your face you're like wow that's a lot of detail jeff but no hey man this is full disclosure that's why we do this you know i want people to understand the differences and and the difference between a good broker and a, and a crappy one or a dishonest one even worse because there's tons of dishonest uh, agents of all kinds whether it's real estate insurance whatever there's lots of there's lots of people out there like that so that being said, we under, we so we've established two percent as kind of industry standard for a broker fee, <clears throat> even though you're one, and I totally disagree with you, but I, I understand. <laughs> okay, well, I don't when, totally disagree. When, when you get into mortgages below two fifty, that's where usually I would agree with two percent in a lot of those. Yeah, of course, and I you know what I totally I, I get the long term strategy and and totally abide by that. I, I think it was a fantastic call. I just I'd never seen that with a broker before. I was pretty pretty astounded. So. Kudos, sir. Um, now, lender fee, same, typically. Uh, that's where I will usually see lender fees that will range between one and three percent. Yeah, three definitely is high. I've, three, I've seen four. Three, three, uh, three, four. Those tend to be on smaller seconds. Yeah. Now, saying that, this is where that whole I'm I'm getting a rate of six percent happens. Yes. Where, yes, you are getting an interest rate yearly of 6%, but your fees were also 8%. Yes. <laughs> and that's what a lot of people I find don't understand about private mortgages is those fees um, all relate to something called total cost of borrowing. Exactly. Your yearly interest rate does not matter. What matters is your total cost of borrowing. Exactly. Because whether you're paying it up front or you're paying it over the year. You're paying it. Yes. <laughs> so what should total cost of borrowing be typically with a first mortgage, a decent first mortgage? Something like lower loan, like 75% or below loan to value. Yeah. Um, you sh you'll probably be in about uh, probably the eight to 10 range. Eight to 10 total cost of borrowing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Maybe may, may, may maybe eleven. Maybe yeah. Maybe eleven or twelve. Basically. Yeah, I was gonna say on... as high as twelve. Yes, yeah, as high as yeah. twelve. But not right now. Right now, there's a lot of money out there and a lot of cheaper mortgages that you and I are seeing, or a lot of cheaper rates going up because there's so much competition for the mortgages. Yes, exactly. Now, kind of a different side of this. It's not always going to be somebody who's a distressed property. A lot of business owners can use this as a strategy. Yes. A lot of investors can use this as a strategy. You want to talk about uh, business owners using a, a, a MIC as a strategy? It really comes down to they need, they need money to for something in their business. It could be for a new piece of equipment. It could be for a whole range of things. But they need money for something in their business to help their business grow. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, well, what, what, what assets are there? And, and oftentimes, the biggest asset a lot of people own is their house. Mm -hmm. or potentially some other piece of real estate. And so it would be attaching a, uh, a mortgage, be it a second or first mortgage to that property to access money that's needed that could be used to help the business. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's say somebody needs a widget. Um, how long does it take? Now, my understanding and things that I've dealt with in the past is getting a, a, a private mortgage through a mortgage investment corporation or MIC is typically a lot faster than going through the bank. Usually, I, I actually got a call from a uh, from uh, one particular Mick who told me that they can close within 24 hours mm -hmm. because they they've got a whole in house legal team, a whole house. So so they usually have the means to close things a fair bit faster. Oh, is that the guys yesterday? Yeah. 
Oh, that's yep. cool. That's cool. That's good to know. We got to talk about that afterwards as well. I forgot to bring that up earlier, um, which is also part of the uh, inspiration for our discussion today. But because you and I deal with them so much, it's uh, I feel I feel something we need to educate people on because it's a, it's a very misunderstood part of the uh, finance industry. So <clears throat> we've discovered how or we, we've discussed how much it should cost and, and a couple of strategies. <sighs> What is your typical term for a private mortgage? Like, like how long does it last? Typically they're one year. Typically one year. So you're not looking at this as your long-term strategy. If you're not out in a year or two, it's probably not a right, not the right strategy. Yeah. If you, if you don't, and things can change as you get into it, but if you, but as you say, you want to go into this with the game plan being, Hey, this, this is a temporary fix. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we talk, let's talk about the business situation. We're doing this right now. You need the money to get this here. As now your business grows, your revenues grow, or you're showing more financially than in a year to two years time, we should be able to flip you out and get everything now. Re, if, if you're still carrying the debt, if it's such that, hey, you know, you had the money, you could pay it off, great. But if you're still carrying part of the debt, now we want to work on getting that flipped over to, uh, to an A or B lender just yeah. to lower your lower the cost that you're getting the funds at. Yeah, that makes sense. So it does have to be part of a strategy. It's not a strategy in itself. All right. So I think, I think we've covered pretty good on, on the borrower side. Let's talk about the other side of it. And this is the one that you and I have to be a little bit careful on. We have to tread a bit lightly for compliance reasons, but mortgage investment corporations are actually kind of a hybrid of investments and lenders. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. So um, from an investment standpoint, I know that we can't talk any specifics, but can you talk about why somebody might want to invest through a mortgage investment corporation? Well, I know that that part of uh, most people's long-term financial strategy, you want to have, you want to have a mix of investments being some equities, some real estate and some fixed income. Mm-hmm. Uh, fixed income just meaning something that that is something that's interest paying mm-hmm. and a set return. And so looking at if you look at what's a, what are the rates you can get if you put it into a GIC, I mean, one, one and a half percent is not that attractive. Mm-hmm. And so by taking part of that fixed income portion uh, and building it into something like a MIC, uh, just into the private mortgage market, you're able to still have the security, still have a fixed return, but it would be a higher rate of return if you're able to get six, seven, eight percent return on your money versus one, one and a half percent. It's something that you should look at uh, at 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 using to help diversify where some of your fixed income is going. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I don't think we can fairly call it fixed income by FISRAO standards. <laughs> yeah, I believe uh, mortgage investment is still considered a risky investment uh, yes. when it comes to the Ontario Securities Commission and the Financial Services Regulatory Authority of Ontario. But um, my understanding of them is if you're lending equity on a property that can be sold for more than is you know, being lent on it, it's a pretty safe investment. If I, uh, if I read Tony Robbins' book, Money, Master the Game Properly, the very first thing he talks about is, um, uh, oh gosh, now I can't even think of it as I'm trying to talk. What do they call it? Not inverse risk. Um, 
shoot. Oh, I'm never at a loss for words, Jonathan. I'm never at a loss for this, words. This is a rare moment right now. He gives an example um, of buying um, buying a million dollars worth of pennies. Now, it's completely illegal to melt down pennies right now, but they're out of circulation. However, the melt value of the copper in the pennies is worth more than the million dollars. Asymmetrical risk. I knew it. The more I'd talk, I've... <laughs> but, and, and here's how it works. <clears throat> you buy a million dollars in pennies. No matter what, the bank has to accept legal tender as long as it's still out there in circulation. So it's yes. always worth a million dollars. Yes. But if it ever becomes legal to melt them down, the melt value is worth more than the million dollars worth of pennies. Yes. And that's exactly the way that I see this. You know, no matter what, if they're lending 75% on, on a property, the MIC itself, you've, you're always lending three quarters of what can be sold for more. So yes. it's asymmetrical risk. That, that, to me, makes that a very safe investment. But I am not a regulatory authority. And there also have been a lot of stuff over the years about pooled funds and mortgages and all that stuff we don't want to get into any of those things but <laughs> they don't they're not really around to the, to the degree that they were a few years ago they were very trendy and popular but uh, to me i believe this is a very safe and well-regulated way for investors to make a good return hey you, i mean there are two sides someone could just hey i want to lend and just lend directly uh, but by by investing into a MIC, it makes it simpler for them because they don't have to analyze the property. They don't have to do any of that part there, but they just get a, a regular return off, yeah. of the, off of what they've invested and they can stipulate. And often I know a lot of the mix will have, uh, I'll say a couple different funds. One being, hey, here's our first mortgage pool, which is to a maximum 75%. Here's our second mortgage pool where we might go to 85%. The second mortgage pool will obviously pay higher. Uh, but obviously saying it's going to 85%, it is riskier. Yeah. But I mean, getting 7% in today's uh, climate is amazing compared to, you know, for a safe investment or what I would deem a safe investment. Yes. I'm not, I'm not advocating that you should invest in this. I'm not saying any particular funds or anything like that. We're not talking, you know, we, you and I have the pleasure of working with some of the largest mortgage investment corporations in the country. Um, in a, in a different capacity than with, with retail investors. I'll, I'll say, I guess I can say that, but um, you know, I, I do, I would say, check them out. We could certainly, if you wanted to have a bigger discussion, discuss some of that uh, through email and, and refer you to people that we know that, that would talk about that stuff. But I think from an investor standpoint, if you can make a 7% return, that's darn near as good as the GIC you know, when you look at all things considered as, as a sophisticated investor, um, I think that's a heck of a lot better idea than one and a half percent at the bank. Plus, you can use registered funds. So if it's your TFSA, RRSP, all of those things, that's uh, that's pretty cool. But for me, the biggest thing is you're not just investing on one property. Because you're pooling into a, a group of other investors you're you're buying a portion of everything they're doing. If they've got 100 properties or 10 properties, you're getting a portion of all of those so that your risk is really mitigated. I know a lot of these guys will actually guarantee their payments regardless of what happens with their uh, with their borrowers, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Well, because they, they know from doing it, they are so experienced with it that, uh, that what's their fallback plan? Their fallback plan is to take over the property and they can sell the property. And they know that, as you said, with uh, with, 
with the 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 asset value versus what they're holding that they're going to get their money back. Yeah, to me, that's asymmetrical risk. That's like investing one hundred and one. Yes. Um, now I know the regulatory authorities don't agree with that, but uh, you know we're not talking to everybody. We're talking to sophisticated investors who understand how to you know really analyze uh, something like that. Sophisticated investors know, hey, if something's worth more than what I'm putting into it, then I can sell it. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty basic math to me, but uh, hey, it is what it is. Now, I don't want to talk too much more into that because you and I can get very, very, very deep into the investment side on that. And I don't know how much we're allowed to say to the world. Exactly. Exactly. Just because it is, uh, it is very highly regulated. Now, if you do want to find more information about that, uh, you can certainly Google mortgage investment corporations. Uh, that's a, a great place to start. And there's a ton of them out there. So finding good ones is tough. You, know, you can give Jonathan a shout and he can certainly put you onto some, some of the proper people to talk to, but uh, it's a pretty vast, pretty vast thing to learn about. But I think it's an important one for, especially for Canadians to be learning about, because I know Americans are starting to, even the UK, uh, they're really starting, <laughs> they're really starting to look at this as a, um, a great place to park money. So, Jonathan, anything you want to say to wrap it up? Always a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you to everyone who's listening. Uh, so glad you tune in. <laughs> You're at a loss for words. I am, yes. (laughs) Well, it's a different conversation for you and I because we can't speak as freely as normal. So we definitely wanted to bring this. You know, one of these days we're going to have to bring on uh, an exempt market dealer or a a dealing representative, somebody who can really talk about the retail side of that to really drill down into the stuff. Yes. Um, Because that is the Ontario Securities Commission side that we don't deal with. Jonathan does have a license on the the, uh, FISRAO side, but uh, that's it's very interesting to me that those corporations have both of those elements that's what i think is is neat they have a a double um double regulation they definitely do it's very interesting (laughs) yeah because there really is no other investment vehicle out there that's like that to my knowledge anyhow yeah i don't think so either but uh but have to check before I can answer that 100 (laughs) (laughs) percent well i mean it's it's born out of um it's born out of an evolving industry here in Canada for sure, but it should be very interesting stuff on, uh, on the borrower side, very interesting stuff on the investment side. So check it out. Mortgage investment corporations. If you need to Google it, Google it. Uh, very, very good stuff. Jonathan, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you as always. And thank you for listening. If you want to know more about uh, borrowing from them or working with them, Jonathan can certainly put you on to some more information. You can email him at IP income at a mortgageplan.com. That's IP income at a mortgageplan.com. Or if you want to be a guest on the show or, or just generally have a chat with us, you can shoot us an email there or download one of the free books that we, uh, we co-authored last year. Probably the best one would be the investment property income book at the investment, uh, sorry, just straight up www.investmentpropertyincomebook.com. And you can download the uh, podcast on any of the major players. Find us on Facebook. We have a group there now, Investment Property Income Group, and uh, all the good stuff. You'll find us everywhere. Thank you so much for listening. Jonathan, thank you for your time. Have a fantastic day, and we'll see you soon.